Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Do you want to work with a set of instructors who can add 4 to 12 miles per hour to your fastball? Hitters, what about adding 10 to 20 miles per hour to your swing velocity? Today's guests from the Winning Pitchers Academy in Framingham, Massachusetts, claim that they can help you achieve those results. Eight Northeastern pitchers and three position players trained at Winning Pitchers Academy this winter break. So did 2021 MLB draft pick Mike Vassell, a former BC High and University of Virginia ace. So how does nobody seem to know about the Framingham Pitching Academy? We'll talk to the Winning Pitchers Academy trainers John Miller and Jamie Aldopoulos about how they get the most out of their students. Guys, thanks for joining us on the Base Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yep, thanks for having us. Yeah, so I'll start with John. I know um, you started the business with your dad, Brad, who I spoke with last week, and Jamie as well. Um, What did you set out to accomplish when you started, and when? I guess when did you start it as well? Um, It actually started when uh, we were in high school. Me and Jamie actually played together. Um, Legion Ball were from opposite towns, but would play together in the summer. And uh, my dad was our coach, and we had a pretty successful uh, Legion team at that point. Um, And... My dad started training all the kids from around our area as well to pitch because um, there was a big lack of uh, in the Northeast of advanced pitching training, um, and that's what we saw. So then when I would come home from college in the summer when I was home, I would train, and Jamie was a few years older than me, so he graduated earlier, and uh, that's how it started. Jamie, what uh, what do you remember in the beginning? Like what, what technology were you using, and how has it evolved? Yeah, so we were actually using golf software when we started because there wasn't much out in uh, the baseball world yet. And then um, basically just go video like different major leaguers or different players that we thought had great mechanics. And then we would uh, the players that would come in, we'd film them and compare them to guys that we thought were doing it the right way. That makes sense. Um, and I saw on your homepage, uh, John, that uh, there's an example of Mike Vassell's delivery. And you kind of narrate, you know, the parts of it that you want to see, the parts of it that you're really looking for in the delivery. When you when you do see the video, what are kind of the, the check marks that you want to see? And if you don't see them, you say, all right, let's put together a plan to improve this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the ma- the main thing we see with most pitchers that come in is that they're out of sequence at landing, wouldn't you say, Jamie? Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you say, 80% or more yeah. probably are not timed at when their foot first hits the ground, their arm is not in a position or their hips or in torso to deliver the most efficient way. And when you do that, you're putting a ton of pressure on your arm. Um, so, But the thing that starts the delivery that we find that sets up a lot of people for failures is not leading with your hips. So as you come down the mountain, you want to lead with your hips by 15 to 28 degrees. Um, That's setting you up for success and good weight transfer into the ground. Um, Not to get too technical, but when you get into first foot strike, you want to have your chest back and closed. Um, Me being left-handed would be facing first base. Righty would be facing third base. Um, And the hip should slowly start to open first from there. And then we're going to see the hips rotate uh, first. um, And then the chest and arm should follow. Um, most pitchers come into that position, and their body's normally too far out front. Um, their front side's flying open. Um, that's probably the number one thing, or they don't lead with their hips. And all those things are major causes for injury because now you're putting uh, your arm, which is not really made to throw a baseball, technically, as hard as we're trying to do it these days, and you know, which is what we want to accomplish. Um, 
but basically putting them there in a dangerous place. So that's so first of all, we try to that's the sequence is we try to make sure we're always leading with our hips, perfect timing at landing, um, and then it's hips go first, then your shoulders, and then your delivery directionally, not flying open, which most pitchers do. Uh, Jamie, when you, when you notice that someone isn't leading with the hips, is that typically a flexibility issue or a strengthening issue, or how do you address that? Um, most of it is just guys like wanting to throw with their arm and not use their lower body. Mm-hmm. But um, most guys, like sometimes there's like a flexibility issue in there, but for the most part, it's just guys wanting to get out of the mitt and start chucking it. Yeah. Now, I mentioned uh, a couple of times, I guess, in the open that you guys seem to keep a low profile. And um, Tom Keen, Sebastian's dad with Northeastern, was the guy who really told me that, that, uh, you know, these guys keep a low profile, but they have, you know, eight guys from Northeastern, a couple of position players and Mike Vassell. So you have, obviously, the experience and, uh, you know, the big names that come in. Is there a reason that you keep a low profile or, or would you even agree that, you, that you're keeping a low profile? Uh, we definitely don't try to market her because, um, number one, we just we try to take every kid, no matter how good their God-given ability is, and just make them the best they can. Um, we're fully booked out. Um, that's probably part of it. Um, but <laughs> I wouldn't say we try to keep a low profile. I just think it's um, we're just not you know, out advertising. We're not huge on social media because what we really care about is making our kids better. You know, we're more likely to be texting our guys back and forth at night, seeing how they're doing than posting on social about how hard, you know, they threw that day in their bullpen. So I would say that's probably, you know, in today's age, that's probably why we definitely have the rep of being a low profile place. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, in terms of Mike Vassell, uh, what, what has the experience been like with him? I know, I, th- I want to say his senior year, we, we got out to cover a few of his games because he was like a first-round prospect yeah. that year. Did he have an injury that year, or um, did he shut it down? I can't remember exactly uh, so what So he just had like a little bit of a uh, dead arm, like not, no like serious injury or anything. They just made it uh, precautionary, gotcha. kind of shut him down and just strengthened his shoulder up for a few weeks. Okay. But he had... Um, they had thrown him, closed him a game on that Friday... And then um, they practiced all day the next day, Sunday. So he was throwing balls from the outfield and whatnot. Oof. So realistically, looking back at it, he probably shouldn't have thrown on that Monday. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was built up, you know, at that time he was built up to be one day a week, yeah. go out there seven innings, shut it down. And we had a pitch count on him because of the pro scouts, you know, as 100 pitches. And all of a sudden he goes in relief to shut down a game, throws 30 pitches, and on one day rest comes back. Not built up to do that and had a little soreness in that game and, like, freaked out, you know. Not freaked out because he's never had soreness. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, I've never had soreness in my arm. My arm doesn't feel good. I'm like, well, yeah, because you pitched on no rest. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of – but he ended up coming back to the end of the year and pitching well that year. I uh, I actually saw somebody post that, something like that on Twitter, like, a day ago that, like, high school coaches, look, I know you're excited. <laughs> you know, you got these guys. You're going to want to, you know, keep them on the mound for seven innings and get the win. But, like, let's build up slowly. We've been working with them all winter to kind of take it easy. Uh, what were some of the things you worked on with uh, Mike Vassell to kind of get him to where he is now, which is a professional pitcher? Yeah, so we started with Mike when he was 12. Um, so we've trained him for a long time um basically you know if you start with kids that young it's it's really easy to shape them um I mean by the time he was 13 he pretty much had what you'd say perfect mechanics or 14 uh it started to be little things from there 
and then uh, as he got older, the gra- the velocity slowly slowly gained as his strength gained as well, mm-hmm. and and his flexibility. That was a big part of Mike's um, development was his flexibility. Um, he's naturally a pretty strong kid, and then we started weight training to balance that flexibility. And we saw a little bit when he first went to Virginia his freshman year. Their strength coach there bulked him up like a football player, and his velocity dropped six miles an hour. So that was like he came back, and it was hey, you gotta gotta get flexible again. And after that, that's where he started really. Uh, the next two summers, he worked back to his flexibility and back to where the velocity is now, and having great success with the Mets right now. So they uh, they got a steal when they got him in that round, and they've been telling him that, and we're we're excited to see him pitch in pro ball. Yeah, because I thought he was going to be you know first or second round pick out of high school, Not definitely, and he and he. Had a nice year at Virginia, like right before the draft. I was surprised he didn't go higher. Um, Jamie, what about Cam Schlittler? I know he came to you kind of towards the end of his high school career, and all of a sudden he added some velocity, you know, heading into Northeastern, and he was already committed there. So that was a nice surprise for them. What was your work like with him? Yeah, so he we worked with him a lot that COVID summer when the Cape League got shut down. So he was coming in every week that summer. Um, But a lot of it was just getting his lower body, like, into it. So Northeastern got him to like get into his hips a little better to start, but then he wasn't really, not really driving out of his like back leg. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest thing with him is once he would like set himself up at the beginning of his delivery, like to get him to actually drive and use his hips. Yeah, it's amazing how little um, just tweaks in the you know because everybody thinks build up the arm strength, build yep. up your shoulder, but yeah, just little tweaks and. And the mechanics of even, you know, your legs and your hips can really add velocity. Um, I met with uh, Reggie Crawford last week. I went down to UConn, and he was talking about, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he to- um, he had an elbow injury, he had Tommy John surgery in the fall. And he was saying, you know, you try to control the uncontrollable and uh, do everything you can in terms of injury prevention, and then sometimes you still end up, you know, getting hurt. He throws... Uh, around 100 miles an hour, 101. He got clocked at last summer in the Cape. What are some of the things uh, that guys can be doing to kind of control the uncontrollable? I know there's never 100%, um, you know, you're never going to get injured, but what are some of the things that you'll do in terms of injury prevention with your guys? Yeah, we're, uh, what we call it is like prehab. We tell our guys, like, you're either going to do this before you get hurt or after you get hurt. Yeah. Um, so we're huge on crossover symmetry. That's one thing. All our guys do it. Um, they do the full program. Uh, most of them have bands, do them before the games, after the games, doing it religiously. Um, flexibility is another huge thing. And then uh, mobility in the lower half. That's that's where Jamie's expertise really walks them through um, all that process. And uh, that's that's what we definitely do because, you know, you're, you you got to build up your shoulder and your forearms and your elbow um, with all the muscles around it to protect it as much as you can. Jamie, what is, uh, could you explain um, crossover symmetry? I'm not familiar yeah, so with So it's uh, like a band program to strengthen the shoulders. Okay. Um, so we go through that program with all the guys. Because, um, like, if, especially when you start to throw harder, if your arm's not strong enough to withhand, withhandle that, um, it's going to put a lot of stress on the arm. And that's where you start to see a lot of the injuries. Yeah. That makes sense, and you and uh, so you're the expert on uh, mobility in the legs. What type of uh, exercises or uh, stretches or other things can you do to kind of increase that mobility? Yeah, a lot of um, like hip flexor stretches, um, more like routine. stretching, um, being explosive with the lower body versus like 
a lot of guys rather just kind of go do deadlifts, squats, like a lot of like lifting heavy weights, but not really. They're kind of like training their body to move slower because right. they rather tell their friends, oh, I just deadlifted 500 pounds today. Yeah. First, like good doing like the little stuff that's going to be more important. Yeah, it's uh, like position-specific training. You want to be explosive, yeah. and you want to kind of move in the patterns that you would move absolutely uh, while you're on the mound. In terms of adding velo, um, and that's a huge kind of buzzword for high school guys. You know, ha- there's a million guys who are throwing 82 that want to be at 89, um, and I'm sure you hear from guys who come to you and say, "Look, I want you know five to seven miles an hour on my fastball." If somebody came to you and said that, what would the process be? in terms of helping them get there. I know you'd probably start with video, but um, what would the entire process look like? Yeah, so so when guys come in, we're going to first uh, video them and find out where their areas of improvement are. We're going to check uh, to see what each pitch does that they throw and not really give them any notes, just see naturally what their body does. Um, then we're going to take them in the video room and show them big leaguers or some of our college guys that are really uh, good mechanics. And... Um, compare them and show them their areas for development um, and then also do a strength and flexibility analysis you know so different pitchers some guys need to bulk up and grab strength to throw harder and other ones are really strong and really tight and their muscles won't allow them to move as quick as they can so those guys we're going to put on fast twitch training Um, so it's kind of very individual plan of each guy and then um, after we have them come in and we do those the video stuff then we take them and we don't just pop them back on the mound because then they're going to go back to do exactly what they were doing before. Um, so we have a ton of drills that each guy will will put through drills and make them try to feel things differently than they're used to doing. And the number one thing I love Jamie says all the time is, hey, don't care if you miss. It's going to feel weird. Like, you know, and we're just going to make them and challenge them to test their body and make it move more efficiently. And then after they start to feel it, and, you know, they'll throw and be like, whoa, they, you know, they kind of have that shock feeling that, you know, when it comes off their hand and they don't have any pain or just hops out and they hear the velocity difference um, just in the drills. Then then at the end, we'll take them back to the mound. And that's kind of our process. And it's not overnight. It takes it takes time and it takes the learning process of the pitcher, understanding what they need to do. And then what we say is our baseball homework. So we give them these drills and or strength training or flexibility things to go home and do as well. That's interesting. I, I saw something. um yesterday i think on uh, an article online that was saying uh we focus too much on velocity in the off season and then guys get back on the mound in april and they don't know how to execute like a 2-2 off speed pitch or right. you know a secondary pitch and because all they've been doing the whole entire off season is you know trying to ramp up that velocity but uh jamie that's interesting that you said you know you when you kind of break down the motion and say hey this is the movement pattern like don't worry if you miss that, then you kind of probably try to uh, start to push for pitchability and, you know, yep. when are you going to throw this pitch and situational stuff. Uh, when do you kind of – is it once their pitching motion looks good, the mechanics look good, then you start to focus on, all right, let's work on the secondary stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, want – like even like before velocity, like kind of want their movement pattern to be right. Mm-hmm. And then once their body's doing the right thing, then it's, all right, let's start to amp it up a little bit. Yeah. And once they have a good feeling for that, then it's, all right, okay, let's look at, all right, your four seam, two seam, change up curve, slider, look at all the different pitches and then start to shape those. Like you might have a kid that throws a curve and slider, but they're very similar. Mm-hmm. So the curveball is going to get hit around a lot because it's just a slower Slow version slider. of the slider. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Uh, do you think guys are too worried about velo? Is it are are, are people obsessed with that now? Uh, yeah, I think. Well, it's it's a it's a double edged sword, right? It's it's super important. We definitely care about it, um, but pitchability is going to be what gets outs in games, right? Um, and we kind of really preach to our guys. I mean, it's constantly like if you trust this process, velocity comes. You know, if your mechanics are good, you're going to throw harder. If you're mobile, you're going to throw harder. If you're strong, you're going to throw harder. And it's putting all those together. Um, and then on top of that, like, just having a fastball doesn't get anybody out. Like, right. you know, the best fastballs are the ones that move. So understanding that, you know, arm side two seams are better, you know, am I going to run in and sink? And a hard four seam is going to elevate across your arm side. So um, is going to ride in, and you know, for especially guys with upper swing paths. Um so we start to really, I would say our process is really like mechanical and then you go to the mound and it's not velocity right at first. It's like, okay, now I want to see you throw pitches where we want them and everything comes off the fastball. If you get good extension, every every pitch is going to be better. So that's not really our first goal is get your mechanics well and your location well because if you throw hard, you're not going to get anybody out if you can't throw strikes or even make it move. So that's really where we start. Mm-hmm. And then – after that, then second tier is like velocity, and that's where we start to really work on velocity after we master, you know, being able to locate around the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost look at velocity as like the floor for recruiters. Like, you know, if it's if you're throwing a 79 mile an hour fastball and you're executing the pitches, like you're probably not going to be a D1 yep. prospect. But if you once you hit maybe 90, then yeah. okay, now let's yeah. go look and see if this kid can yeah. pitch. No, yeah, the velocity, like, will help you get into the D1. Right. But then once you're there, like, you got to be able to get guys out. Those yep. are going to be the guys that pitch. But the velocity definitely will help the players get there. Yeah. yeah. And that's definitely, you know, it's when, especially now, it's like you get those older guys. It's like, okay, well, now i got to get you to throw hard quick. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're like, because if you want to get recruited, we got to get your velocity up. And then, like, okay, now we got to make you pitch. So sometimes with the older guys, it, that philosophy switches. But with the younger guys, it's more of a traditional route. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office and don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to baseballjournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs college commits prep and high school division one two and three colleges showcases rankings and much more get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to baseballjournal.com just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. 
Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. The overuse piece, um, and you know, we mentioned earlier, April. You know, these high school coaches are excited; they want they want to see these guys pitch. But um, you know, you see a lot of high velocity guys at the college level going down right now because it's early in the season yeah. and they're throwing hard and they're pitching a lot of innings. Um, do you do you end up ever clashing with the high school or even college coaches and saying, "Hey, you're you were that you're threatening to overuse this pitcher." very early in the season here let's let's make sure we're on the same page i think one of our areas is we try to make our kids understand like you don't have to be a hero yeah you know i mean we want you to be the hero and shove and strike people out and pitch shutouts and complete games but you know you gotta be aware of your body and your use on it um you know like you're supposed to build up and actually as as that curve goes your first outing if you're at your pitch count, then the next one should actually be less. And mm-hmm. then the next one a little more and the next one a little less. So it shouldn't just be like a straight mountain peak up as well. It should actually be kind of like a slow wave up, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of uh, high school coaches, and we even see it at the younger ages. You know, I mean, AU I think is a bigger culprit than the high school coaches. That's really where we'll see, you know, we never really butt heads. We try to just educate everybody as much as we can on that stuff and our, our kids and our parents really as well as they're younger um, because that's really, you know, when you're playing four games a weekend and then the kid also plays shortstop and center field or catches and pitches, that's, that's really where the overuse is even at a higher than the high school level. I think a lot of the high school coaches in new England uh, do a pretty good job of it, especially now. And especially when our pitchers are communicating with them. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. As long as the kids are communicating, we don't run into that. Now, is it a hard, is it, is it a fine line, though? Like, you want these kids to get on the mound. You want them to be competitive. You want them to kind of be bulldogs on the mound. They want the ball. Um, so you don't want to kind of ingrain in their head, like, hey, monitor your own pitch count, <laughs> yeah, and, you yeah. know, ask out of the game when it's time. How do you kind of juggle that, you know, hey, I want you to be a gamer, but I also want you to be careful? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I mean, even some, some of our parents will actually – keep um pitch count in the stands yeah and kind of like give their son like kind of the nod when they're at their limit <laughs> yeah but that, the, but the players themselves have to be they have to speak for themselves yeah they have to advocate for themselves yeah. um because they're I, gonna they're gonna feel it i mean a lot of our guys the first things to go is their legs i'm like when your legs start to go tell the coach you know hey i'm gonna i'll go out there and give you a little more but i'm i'm getting close you know kind of give them a warning that's what we say you yeah. know just be honest with your coach it's like Go out there and give it everything. You're a bulldog. We want you're build up. I mean, all our guys are build up to go for a while. But uh, but yeah, you know, I'm like when you start to, your legs start to go, you start to feel it in your legs. That's when it's going to start to trickle to your arm, and we don't want to stay away from that. Yeah, you've got to um, self monitor because you know, like at the big league level, you're you can see it on the yeah. you can see the velocity, and you're like, hey, he started off at 97, he's down to 91. Let's get him out of here. But the it's not like they're recording velo for every pitch. At the you got to really uh, kind of advocate for yourself if it's getting dicey. Um, now, in terms of strength training, I know you guys have a couple of inventions: uh, pitchers' power drive, hitters' power drive. What are those uh, products, and um, how do they help uh, the players that you have working with you? Yeah, so we uh, invented the pitchers' power drive uh, over ten years ago. Uh, U.S. patent on it, and have over 280 college teams using it, a bunch of pro teams as well. 
it uh, basically teaches pitchers to lead with their hips. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pendulum plate when your hips get out front by 28 degrees, it will click down while your weight's still staying back. So um, it was something that when we were growing up that wasn't taught at all in pitching. Um, and it's a very unnatural part of the pitching delivery. You know, you, you want to go forward with the momentum with your lower half and keep your upper half back and create this separation to be efficient as you're going down the mound. So if you do it right at the top, it's going to click right away. And if it doesn't, um, it's not going to click until you land. So it's giving you auditory and kinetic feedback of uh, when you're doing it right. Wow. And then uh, for the hitters, uh, power drive, how, how does that one work? Yeah, so kind of similar, so same thing. So, like, as guys load, like, the plate's on a pendulum. Like, it should stay balanced. And then as, like, the front foot's coming into landing, that's when the plate's going to drop. Oh, okay. And then guys transfer their weight from there. That makes sense. It makes uh, hitters not spin. Yeah. Like, a lot of, you Yeah, know, a lot of hitters will, like, yeah, spin on their back foot, and, like, the plate will never drop. Like, old school squash the bug, yeah. right? So, it, it teaches you to go linear and then go into rotation as you hit. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, now, I mentioned in the lead, uh, you've, you had eight Northeastern pitchers working with you over winter break, a couple of uh, position players as well. What did those sessions look like? What did those entail? Those were fun. I mean, uh, winter break's always fun. We always get all our college guys back. Um, but this year with that many Northeastern guys, it was like, you know, a full college day where every guy that's coming in there is throwing 90 for eight hours straight. And we'd have a a group of them come in, and then, you know, some of our other guys, other college guys would come in and throw after, and then Mike uh, was there as well, so Mike would normally throw on that, on that day as well. Um, so it's a great, great group. Um, we're excited to watch them pitch this right now, and we just kind of the same process. We just video them. Uh, you know, those guys are a lot smaller tweaks at that age, obviously, mm-hmm. um, some of them more than others. Um, as we're gearing them up for Northeastern, helping them out, it would just, you know, roll them through and try to make adjustments and understand. And every one of them got better every week and we would video them and they're kind of, it was good because they could, they would all come together in a group and they'd kind of keep each other accountable really yeah. like, Hey, why, you know, why are you leaking? Why, you know, come on, stay behind the ball. Or, you know, other guys would be like, why don't you pitch that in games? Like, why didn't you do that last year? Like you can do it now. So um, it was fun to kind of see that camaraderie that we normally don't see, you know, with a full team in there, which was great. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you have a line of communication open with um, Coach Glavin or anybody at Northeastern this time of year when maybe some of those guys could use a little tweak here or tweak there? Or do you kind of turn it over to them in the spring? We just turn it over to them. I mean, we don't. that's totally trust what they do. They're, they got a great program over there and all our college guys as soon as they go away. I mean, someone will text us and reach back, you know, hey, I didn't, I didn't feel right, like here's my video or something like that. Um, but from the coaching standpoint with the coaches, it's totally on to them. And then individual players every once in a while, if they're struggling or not feeling right on a pitch grip or something, that's when we normally hear from them. I know that you guys uh, provide digital computer analysis uh, to all your players. What type of information is that? For, are you looking at velo or is it more, um, you know, like you said, the angles that they're opening up their hips and things like that? Yeah, more more the mechanics first, the velo. Mm-hmm. If the mechanics are right, then their velo will be there. It'll come eventually, yeah. yeah. Um, Tommy John surgery, I, I mentioned Reggie Crawford had it, and he was saying, you know, control the uncontrollable. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen guys who have gone through that uh, process. What does the recovery for guys who, you know, might be looking at that surgery in the near future, or maybe they just had it, what, what is the process, the recovery process like, and uh, how long 
or do you expect them to be working before they can get back on the mound? I mean, it's it's eight months from surgery to your your yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mo- yeah, most guys. Yeah, and I would recommend taking like a full year. Yeah, yeah. some guys try to rush back too quick and then never get back to where they were before the surgery. Right. I mean, it's eight months until you're throwing. Right. So then, and then it's almost like you're throwing with a new part of your arm. So then it's get your mechanics right. Kind of not relearn to pitch, but it's it's relearning the steps. And uh, and and gradually doing that, it, you know, it's like the same analogy. You don't want to sprint into, hey, I can throw, and now you're back, you know. Yeah, right. And that's where you'll see a lot of guys with uh, the setbacks as they try to come back too soon from it. And what are the steps that you have to take before you throw? Is it um, strengthening or you know flexibility? Yeah so, yeah. so I think the first thing is just like getting the range of motion back. So like, a lot of guys after the surgery can't like touch their own shoulder. Right. So they'll go through physical therapy, whatever whatever the doctor recommends for that. Some because some guys will get the range of motion back. Okay. Quicker than others. But yeah, when I was at UConn, uh, Reggie Crawford, I think he threw. It might have been just ten. And it was soft toss. Yeah. It wasn't like he was on a mound, but he, he got it like in September. So, you know, he's right, right at that eight-month mark. Yeah. So is it, you know, you start with 10 pitches and then maybe go back to eight, like you said, and then 12? Is it the same type of buildup that you would do if you were pitching at the beginning of a season? It's actually slower. It's a, it's a slower buildup. You're going to throw a shorter um, still on the mound. Um, it's almost like you throw from Little League distance first. Yeah, uh, You go through a whole strength throwing program first. Um, normally controlled by PT, uh, but that's, you know, standard uh, major league protocol is what we, we would do with the guys. And then uh, then they go into the 45s, and then it's, you know, a few pitches from around, a few more as they slowly build up, and the, you're constantly monitoring their mechanics and obviously how they're feeling. So mm-hmm. We mentioned uh, we were talking uh, before we started recording about Tom House and, you know, his impact on baseball, but more – his uh his warm up routine and you know you look at that it almost looks like you know they're traffic guards walking around in the bullpen and it's just a, a funny thing to see. What is the process that you recommend in terms of uh, guys getting loose before the game and what what should a warm up look like for a pitcher? I think everybody guys different. Mm-hmm. I mean, my whole thing is they got to get their arm one hundred percent ready to go. I mean, some guys are big heat guys. Some guys you know depends on what level they're at. Um, we like to say we want them dripping sweat before they get on the mound. Um, we normally like most of our guys to do crossover, Jager bands at least, uh, full hip mobility warm-up and active warm-up at least doing that. Um, but then other guys do more, other guys do less. It just depends yeah. on the body type. Yeah, and sometimes it's like trial and error, each player finding out what works for them best. And, but it's not a ton of uh, actual pitches, right, because you don't no. want to burn the guy no. out before no, the no, game? No, definitely not. And what about, so you mentioned earlier, and it made me think, uh, you know, a lot of coaches say parents can be a little bit of a problem. And you had mentioned, you know, parents keeping uh, pitch counts in the stands. But what about, um, you know, the way that parents use social media, like, hey, here's my son, here's his contact info, he just th- hit topped out at 88 today and all this. Stuff. And you wonder, uh, is that the right thing, you know, to be doing? We, when, on one hand, you want to, you know, promote the player and market him and get him uh, seen by people, but then also maybe you don't want to say in the middle of the course of a game, like, hey, he topped out at 89. That's my takeaway from the game. Like, not as, uh, you know, innings pitched, runs allowed, anything like that. Uh, do you find that parents uh, are putting more pressure on kids these days in terms of maybe in the wrong ways, like in terms of velo or, you know, strength training or things like that that they didn't used to in the past? I feel like they've always put pressure on, kids, <laughs> on their kids. Like, that's nothing new, yeah. right? It's just. <laughs> 
it's just human nature. I think with social media, it's definitely increased, but in a different way. Um, I mean, it does help the kids to be recruited. The kids have to be have to be seen either at showcases or at events. And uh, but we always tell our guys like, hey, if you're good enough, you're going to get seen. Like you know, it's real easy to send college a coach a college video, and they're going to know real quick if your mechanics are good and if you're good. So, um, and especially with social media, today, like guys aren't getting hidden like they used to, right? If you're good, you're going to get discovered. So we keep teaching our guys like, hey, you just control what you can control and get as good as you can, and you're going to have opportunities to play at the next level. Uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, and I wonder you know, if this will become a trend in baseball. We're seeing a little more. I mentioned Reggie Crawford a few times. He's a, a two-way guy at UConn, so he's one of their best hitters, and he was going to be their ace pitcher. Uh, he ended up having the injury. Uh, but I think the impact of uh, Shohei Otani at the uh, major league level has kind of made a lot more people think that that's something that's doable or realistic. Um, how do you explain his ability to be one of the top hitters and top pitchers? How would you balance that training? And do you think it's realistic for guys to kind of aim for that? Yeah, I mean, it's like there are guys that can do it, but it's very tough just because the constant throwing and whatnot, tr like pitching one day, then trying to go throw the ball in the field the next day. Right. But um, there's definitely some guys that can do it, though, because you look at like the best high school players, they're probably the best pitcher and the best fielder on the team, along with being the best hitter. Right. I'm surprised you don't see it more at the college level, to be honest, because I feel like that's where, you know, you'll see it every once in a while now. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like that's where you're going to start to see it a little more because um, there's always a, like a, you know, normally a pretty good pitcher when they get to college. They're like, oh, you're going to pitch or you're going to hit. Mm -hmm. There's probably a few of those guys that could still do both. And, uh, you know, and the college coaches would probably monitor it and do it, do it very well. Um, so I, I see it, that might be a little growth, which was kind of turned off. It used to be pitcher or hitter. But that could be the influence I could see grow a little bit. Yeah, level. yeah. You see it at Harvard. Harvard has a couple guys like that this year, Will Jacobson. And it's um, – I just think it comes down to a time thing. You know, pitching is a, well, almost a full-time thing. And, yeah, then you're throwing balls in from right yep. field. And you're like, oh, I wasn't supposed to throw this hard today. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, – it's amazing when guys can do it both so well. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in uh, studio to talk about this stuff. I think it's great to hear from – experts on pitching and arm care and everything like that so really appreciate you taking the time thank you oh, thank you thanks for having us thanks again to winning pitchers academy trainers john miller and jamie aldopoulos for joining the base path podcast subscribe to new england baseball journal at baseballjournal.com to get the spring edition mailed to your home or office thanks to our producer steve saffron subscribe like follow the base path podcast on your preferred platform Thanks again for listening. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.